What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to episode number three of the Grinding for Greatness podcast. This is John Seaman with my co-host James Hughes. How's it going? Uh, episode part number part two of episode two. Uh, we're going to talk about James Hughes, uh, his Ten Commandments of Creativity. Uh, James designed these, broke them all down. We're going to talk a little bit more about those, um, and we'll segue right into it. Creativity is just problem solving. That's it. That is it. Now, it happens to be typecasted, and are you solving things in terms of engineering, in terms of construction, in terms of things that we so, like we label as productive, or is it something like a painting or something like a design or something like a uh, video game or something like a movie or something like that? It's all problem solving. A right. painter has an idea in their brain and they want to get on that canvas. The problem is they just have paint and a brush. Right. Now, how do you get that there through creativity? How do you solve these problems as they go? Every part of the core values that we just talked about are all directly related to creativity, all directly related to problem solving using some form of creativity. Right. So all of these are going to have some direct factor to your life in any way it goes across. Um, what we're going to do real quick is I'm just going to, with the core values, it was pretty easy to just do one, and then we talk about it, two, then we talk about it. What we're going to do here, just to make sure that everything has at least a little bit of time, I'm going to list all 10, and then we'll go back through, and then we'll kind of... Uh, Touch base. Yeah. Some of these, obviously, are a lot more than others. Some of these are almost a spitting image of what the core value was. Mm-hmm. These were created in two totally different times. Right, right. But just to go back, like you were talking about at the opener, these are very common core values that are going to be seen all across the board. This is just a way of slightly re-explaining some of it. So we're not going to hit the ones that say what we already said. Yeah, we don't want to be repetitive. All right, yeah. So we'll go ahead and we'll run through these uh, 1 through 10, and then we'll start back at the top and then um, kind of go through and not repeat ourselves uh, because like you know, as a lot of these core values repeat. Um, so number one, create work, not excuses. Number two, make it interesting. Number three, use proper technique. Number four, deadlines are immutable. Number five, think about your work before, during, and after the project. Number six, be honest with yourself when evaluating your work. Number seven, if better is possible, good is not good enough. Number eight, details matter. Number nine, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And number 10, if it was easy, there would be no reason to pay a professional. So starting at the top, create work, not excuses. First of all, James, before you run through these, I want to say I fucking love these. <laughs> there, there's, I could spend so much more time on each one of these individually, mm-hmm. even than the core values, man, because there's, I feel extremely passionate about some of these in, in, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them do piggyback with the core values, but uh, some of these are broke down a little bit more and are a little more honed in on certain elements and certain mindsets, mm-hmm. which I think is even more important than the core values, because really everything we're talking about is a mindset. And that's a whole nother uh, podcast in itself that we could, we could break out and talk about. Um, but really everything, the five core values, James's 10 commandments of creativity, um, all 15 of these mm-hmm. are related to a mindset, mm-hmm. you know? So just wanted to say that before we got into them, because you need to be thinking like all of this is created in your head. It's mm-hmm. not an outside element that you 
can make an excuse about, well, this is the reason why I can't do this. Exactly. It's all an internal monologue. And that's what this whole fucking podcast is about. Exactly. This principle is to add to what you're already doing to make what you're doing the re- end result just a little bit better. That's right. Just to inspire some motherfuckers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so number one, create work, not excuses. Um, going right back to number two with the uh, core values, results, 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 results. There is always going to be a problem that's going to show up on a job. Um, one thing that um, where I'm teaching at, one thing that like I cannot stress enough to the students and I'm going to use this in a creative example, and then we can use it in a more real-life example. So on a creative job, when you're in the moment at the job, as a creative, you're always having to make creative decisions, and you're always having to make production decisions, real-life decisions at the same time. So create work, not excuses. There is always going to be pitfalls in both categories when you're on the job itself going through real-life moments. There's going to be external factors that you can't plan for that are going to happen. An example that I always use to go with that is you can have an apple, throw it up and catch it in your hand. You're standing in the middle of the field, throw it up, catch it in your hand, throw it up, catch it in your hand. Now, you know, when you throw it up, you can anticipate when that apple is going to fall again, just based off of gravity. You don't know 100%, but you can pretty much guess, right? Now, what you can't plan for sometimes is a sniper a mile down the way and shooting that apple before it hits your hand. Why would you plan for that? Like, right. there's these situations in life that always come completely out of left field. Yeah. Feel like that, you know, you're catching a stray. For sure. So, when you create work, not excuses, be prepared, right? So, preparation is going to help you with that work over excuses all the time. So, as you're prepared, when you come up, and let's say there's a big technical issue, um, a camera is having some, you know, malfunction that you weren't quite planned for. And you have three cameras, but now you only have one to do the shot. Well, the job's not over. You can still get the job done with that one camera. It's just going to take a little more work. It's going to take a little more discipline. It's going to take a little more um, motivation to kind of get that end result. That's right. But it's still there. Now, once you start involving multiple people um, in your projects, once you start involving multiple external factors in that project, there's so many more room for error. So as you're prepared and you show up in a situation and one of these pitfalls show up, your whole energy doesn't have to stop and go to that one thing and now have to go back and try to figure out where you are on track. If you have a plan in place, you can solve these things as they come up and go back to the plan and keep going. Another metaphor I use all the time is a soldier, You thinking back to like a, a Roman war or whatever, like a, a battlefield there, right? Well, you're here to conquer the city, right? Well, when you're in a sword fat, uh, fight right there, it's life or death you're not necessarily thinking about how when you make it to the the capital, what you're going to do inside of that building, you're thinking, hey, I need to duck right here. Hey, I need to survive, right? So as soon as you survive, you need to know what the next move is, right? As soon as that guy goes down, you're going to the capital. You need to go back there. So you need to have that short-term and long-term plan. Mm-hmm. So as you're solving these short-term problems, you're not losing sight of that long-term execution. And so having... Some sort of plan is going to help keep you from making excuses. It's going to help keep that little bitch from saying, oh, the whole job has to shut down now. Yeah. And, you know, another saying that I say all the time that I love is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's Mike Tyson's quote. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and you know, it goes back to everything that we've talked about already is, you know, there's going to be all kinds of shit that comes up, man. Life is fucking crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, a job site's crazy, but life itself is fucking crazy, man. There's all kinds of things that are going to happen in life and you can let them happen to you or for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, the whole burden of it though is, you know, having the right mindset of, you know, taking it to the chin and getting the fuck over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I always talk about execution here at work. There's always issues, man. We do construction, you got elements, you got material, you got, you got equipment, subcontractors, other people, you got subs. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going to come up. We can create a plan every single fucking morning, Mm -hmm. but no day is going to go as planned. Exactly. So you have to have the mindset of, look, dude, I'm just getting over whatever has has to happen today. And we're going to get the end result. Exactly. You know, and if you have the mindset leaving out of the office in the morning or leaving out of your house that day of, Hey, this is what I got to do today. I'm going to get it done. No matter what the fuck happens, you, you will get it done, especially if you practice discipline and you practice it regularly. And again, that's why this is number one. Um, we're going to spend a little more time on this one because I have another point, but like that, that's why this is number one. This is the big one. Nothing comes out unless you're able to get over that desire to want to create an excuse to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that from, again, from the creative perspective, one thing that I have, I don't know how many conversations with people about this, um, but a lot of times creatives are very hard on themselves and they're very hard on their plans or their, their projects they want to start on and yeah. they don't ever start on them mm-hmm. because you know, of this factor or that yeah. factor or this factor or that factor. Yep. And it's like they've already determined that they're disappointing people before they actually have had the opportunity to impress somebody, 100%. right? So that idea, that project lives solely in your head. Nobody else sees it. Nobody else expects it. Nobody else knows the world with or without it they, or with it. They only know the world without it. Mm-hmm. So it continually to it continuing to live solely in your head is just you creating an abundance of excuses. That's just you accepting complacency one way or another. That's just you letting your discipline start to, to back down. And that's starting to let all these other factors start to bleed out. Complacency and confidence go hand in hand in a very negative way. Right. And so, um, speaking of Forbes a couple of weeks ago, when, when we did an article with them talking about, you know, blue collar millionaires, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the last questions that they asked me was what advice What's the number one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone that was wanting to start their business. And my response was fucking start. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I can give you and and you can look all this shit up. You know, people are going to give you all kinds of fucking advice, you know, on how, what the first steps and what you need to do and how you need to start your business and different strategies about it. But if you sit around with your thumb up your ass strategizing for your whole fucking life mm-hmm. and you never start, there's nothing to learn. Exactly. What the fuck are you doing all the educational stuff for? You know what I mean? Yeah. Get, get fucking. And I'm not saying, you know, fly by the seat of your pants and hope that you make it work. Right. Uh, although there's a lot of people that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you never get started, there's no point in doing all the education. And guess what? The best education that you can have is taking those hits to the chin. Exactly. You know, I recommend just get started. If you can find a mentor who's already done it, mm-hmm. you know, learn from them. Let, let's learn from their mistakes. Let's learn. Let's take, let them take the hits to the chin, but sitting around, you know, how do I do, how do I start an LLC and all this other fucking bullshit, man? You can do that along the way, mm-hmm. you know, just get started. Yeah. Know? Just, just get it out there. Let that snowball start going. It's a, um, it's a U.S. military, um, quote, but amateurs plan strategy, 
professionals plan logistics. That's right. And so the logistics are the how-tos. The logistics are the actual tangible things that are going to put that vision into reality. So. Yeah, when boots are on ground. Mm-hmm. And that's what's fucking important is if there's no boots on ground, it doesn't matter if you have a plan or not. Right. You know? Exactly. All right, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna steamroll a little bit here. Um, make it interesting. Um, very obvious, especially in the creative world. There's a reason why you're being paid. We'll go to number ten on that. But there's a reason why you, as a creative professional, you as a person, are being paid to do what you're doing. You are unique. You have a certain set of skills that's gonna make your work, your effort, your energy different than almost anybody else. Now you have to understand what that is. There's a certain amount of self-awareness you have to have to be able to execute that. But by just going through and just putting your complacent self first, just putting that little bitch voice first, it's not gonna be interesting. It's gonna be the run of the mill, same gray area that everybody sees every single day. And so you have to make it stand out. And, and and why I think that's so important mm-hmm. is, you know, you can you can get the same result or you, you can get through the same amount of action and have a very similar result. But if the person who made it interesting took just a little bit more effort, mm-hmm. what the, the product that they're going to put out is going to be so much better than the person who was just there running through the paces, had a, this perfect plan and mm-hmm. nothing happened. Uh, and, and they just got all the content that they needed to get, put it on a video, gave it to them. You know, yeah, it may, it may serve the purpose, but is it, is it going to kill it? Right. Am I going to call that person back? No. Exactly. The person who made it, who took the extra little bit of effort, dude, it doesn't take a fucking enormous amount of effort. Hmm. Tony Robbins says, uh, the, the difference between, um, good and great is, is 2%. And you can look that up. There's a whole, he's got, he's got a whole seminar about it. But the 2% makes an enormous difference. I, I don't do as good of a job as Tony <laughs> by any means uh, of explaining it. Take the time, look the video up. We can probably put um, a link to it in the show notes if you guys want to find that. Uh, you, I, I would really recommend listening to that because what he really breaks down is the, the difference uh, between you know a, just a very average product and something that's fucking amazing. You know, the difference between Kmart and Walmart. Mm-hmm. was really only 2% in the beginning, you know, and look at where they're at now, you mm-hmm. know. So that's just an analogy, but just take it that extra little bit, put that extra little effort in and you're going to excel, you know, tenfold. Discipline. Yeah. Discipline will get you through that 2%. That's right. No one else is going to push that. Well, not want to say no one else, but rarely anyone else yeah. that you're competing with is going to push that 2% unless you're in a field that's highly competitive and, you know, highly professional. But then your 2% could be more than the next person's 2%. Yeah. And so you constantly have to push yourself to make it interesting. And that's a whole other thing that we could talk about later on is, is continuing to push yourself mm-hmm. to those levels, right? Because once you get to a certain plateau, you have to recognize how much effort and how much harder you have to work to, the, to get to the next plateau, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what everything is. It's breakthroughs, you know, whether it's business or sports or anything. You, you get to certain levels mm-hmm. and, and you'll plateau there until you realize, okay, this is how much more I have to do to get to this next level. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a whole nother conversation. But. And there's always, a, there's always a new level. And if not, we can create a new level. Levels to this shit. <laughs> so using proper technique um, is obviously another <laughs> major aspect of creativity. But I'm of the major uh, mantra. I'm of the huge mindset 
that it's okay to break rules. You just have to understand what the rule is and how to break it because it, yeah. the rule is going to apply to a certain context. And if you're creative enough, you can find an area outside of that context where it may not necessarily work out. And so using proper technique is going to get you to that point. Then your creativity can take over. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody lived by the rules, there'd be no Apple. Yeah. Right. Who, who do you know that has ever done anything great that someone didn't say, Hey man, this just isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that you can think of that was amazing. That's been amazing. That's been changed into humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have definitely stepped out of, you know, the proper realm of mm-hmm. doing things. They've definitely been told that there's no way that this is going to work, you know? Right. Now they didn't go fucking off the grid and do something completely crazy. It was a very small change. It was just outside of the bounds. Right. So right. they're still utilizing the proper technique, just kind of do it in a different way, you know, thinking a little bit outside the box, being very innovative, um, just doing things a little different, you know, and that's, kind of going back to the 2% that we were talking about, about making it interesting, you know, working a little bit more hard, doing, putting that little bit extra energy in. So this next one, um, deadlines are immutable. So uh, no one's pretty obvious. Uh, It's pretty black and white. Um, Deadlines are immutable. The time's going to come. The bill's going to be due at some point. And so, you know, whether you're, it doesn't matter what area you're in in life. Sometimes you can push that bill back at a certain point. Sometimes you can kind of push that deadline on, but it's always going to be due, right? And obviously in the business world, that's very black and white. Yeah. But when it comes to the personal world, when it comes to the creative world, when it comes to yourself, that deadline, I mean, death is always going to be right there at you, right? And so if you're trying to create a life work, if you're trying to do something more than just go through the motions in, in your life, you know there's going to be that end result. So you know you have a, lim- a limited amount of time and that deadline is not going to get pushed back. Yeah. So you have to spend essentially every day of your entire life trying to get your work done before that deadline on one very like black and white kind of kind of example. Yeah, and dude, that's, that's something in itself that I, I'd love to break out. It's something I'm extremely fucking passionate about, man, is if you tell me you're going to do something, you better fucking do it and mm-hmm. you better be on time because that's your word. Mm-hmm. If I tell a customer, hey, man, we're going to get this done, it's going to get fucking done. I don't give a shit what hurdles come up exactly. because that was my word. So moving forward, if I tell that same customer, if I didn't meet that deadline, I tell that same customer, yeah, we're going to do this, 100% doubt. Mm-hmm. There's it's it's completely irreversible, man. It doesn't matter if you meet every other deadline after that, you miss that one, you know. And and everyone is only as good as their word. Mm-hmm. And if it was it was if it was a realistic goal and if it was a realistic deadline, and you did not meet it, what that tells me is that every fucking thing else we've talked about, you did not do during the process. Yeah, there, there's some hiccup somewhere along the way. Yeah, and so even if it's I mean, I, I've read this, I don't know how many times on little self-help guidelines and little tips and tricks out there. But if you're not in a situation in life quite yet to where you're, you have the pressure of a lot of deadlines, putting yourself on your own deadlines. Yeah. It may seem trivial. It may seem like, oh, well, what's the big deal if I miss it? Mm-hmm. Well, listen to the first 40 minutes of this podcast and we'll explain exactly why it's a yeah. big deal if you miss yeah. it. The discipline, yeah. the accountability, the, the integrity, everything there is going to roll right back in. So if you're yeah. getting used to hitting those deadlines, if you're getting used to operating by this point, yep. then you're going to be able to start 
effectively planning better. That extra time going right back to your intention is going to start being able to you know clear up a little bit more. So creating these self deadlines for yourself and holding yourself accountable mm-hmm. will help every other domino kind of start to fall in line. There, there's literally nothing that I do or say I want to do mm-hmm. that does not have a deadline attached to it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, if you say, I oh, man, I want to lose 30 pounds. Well, fucking when, dude? Yeah. You know what I mean? In the next 15 years or the next 30 days? Yeah, exactly. Because if you don't put that deadline with it, it means fucking nothing. Yeah. If you, if you equate it to a, like a, a math variable, energy is a variable in there. So that's going to result in that time. So, you know, losing 30 pounds in 30 days versus losing 30 pounds in 15 years yeah. is two totally different amount of output yeah. energy. So, 100%. And, and with, you know, there's a whole another saying too that, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll butcher it for sure, but a, a goal is nothing without a plan. Mm-hmm. And a goal is not a goal if it doesn't have, you know, several criteria like, what is it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do it? When's it going to be done by deadline? You know, yeah. there's, it doesn't matter. I, I think it's something like a, a goal is just a dream without a deadline or something like yeah. that. Um, because if there's no deadline, it's never going to fucking happen ever. I don't give a fuck who you are. If you just say, Hey man, I want to buy a Corvette at some point, mm-hmm. you're never going to own the Corvette. Yeah. You know, especially if you're not in a financial position to go buy one today. And if you just say, Hey, at some point today, I need to go to the grocery store, but you're not actually putting forth that plan of, all right, well, I, between this time and this time, you know, I need to get this before we do dinner tonight. That right there is already putting forth that yeah. exact same thing that we're talking mm-hmm. about, just on a much smaller scale. It feels a little more internal and it feels a little more, you know, um, innate, but it's still the same principle. Before we move on, because I know we got to burn through these, but just to drive the point home one more time, that why I'm so passionate about deadlines is if you've told me at a certain point you're going to do something, and it, and it and it was very realistic and you don't get it done it's to it pisses me off because it's i know that it was just a mindset slip mm-hmm. that let that deadline become lapsed mm-hmm. right? so if if you've if you've missed a deadline and it was a very reasonable deadline and and you failed to make that deadline it to me it's because your mindset wasn't in the right spot exactly right cuz everything we've talked about up to this point it is not tangible things. It's all because of a mindset. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I know you let your foot off the fuel. You either weren't disciplined. You weren't driving with intention. You weren't results oriented. So you were at some point, you were just going through the paces. Mm-hmm. And that's what pisses me off is everything that I do. I don't know why my brain works like this, but I'm always thinking of like, how did that, what was going through that guy's mind when this happened? Or mm-hmm. how, how was his brain working? Or why was he driven this way or that way? So I know if you told me the result, if you told me the deadline and you didn't make that happen, it's because at some point you were mentally checked out or mm-hmm. you mentally didn't give a fuck. And that's what pisses me off about people not making deadlines. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, that was that lapse of, lapse of judgment. That yeah, lapse, was, like, lapse of care yeah, is but, what, what frustrates me. And there's intent behind Not intent, but there's a lack of intent behind that. Yeah. and it, it, It's very controllable. It, it's... it's something that they very easily overlooked and could have changed in the moment. And, and, and these things piss me off on every aspect. (laughs) It's not necessarily work. You Mm -hmm. you know, in my mind, I'm thinking about work, but you know, I've, I've even had friends that were like, yeah, man, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, this is when I'm going to have it. Or, you know, it may be a fitness goal. It may be a financial goal. It may be, you know, trying to get a significant other. Mm -hmm. 
And dude, it never fucking happens. Well, I'll tell you very quickly, don't ever fucking talk to me about it again. I don't ever want to hear it again, dude, because now you're wasting my fucking time too. You know, I know you're not, you're not oriented. I know Mm -hmm. you're not results oriented. I know you're not fucking thinking, Hey, let me make this happen and do this and do this and do this until I get to that result. You know, you're saying it, but you're not doing it. You know, show me, don't fucking tell me. Yeah. Tired of hearing about it. You know? <laughs> Let it leave that pipe dream fantasy realm and come here to reality for just a little bit. And then yeah. we can entertain the idea and the thought because otherwise there's no logistics to it. And man, I've explained this to some close friends of mine. I've, I've explained the whole, you know, a, a goal is just a dream until you sit down and, you know, very, very thoroughly think out what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I've, I've drugged them to gyms, you know, I've tried to help them financially, you know, and, you know, you can very quickly see, you know, yeah, they'll probably be hot for a little while and then they'll kind of slip back into that complacency. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's it's all about accountability. Yeah, I'll try to hold you accountable. But, dude, if you're not going to be honest with yourself, then it doesn't do me any fucking good to waste my time trying to get you there. You know? Yeah, because it's the, the whole metaphor. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink. Yeah, and exactly. So if they're not willing to accept that deadline and accept it for themselves, because, I mean, they don't owe it to you when they say it out loud, they ultimately at the end of the day, when they close their eyes, when they go to sleep at night and they're by themselves, they owe it to themselves and they're only letting themselves down by not holding themselves accountable to yeah. the deadline that they set forth, the goal they set forth. They're letting that bitch voice take over. <laughs> and it's going to sleep real good tonight. Oh yeah, for sure. The bitch voice always sleeps good. It don't give a <laughs> fuck what effort it put in during the day. All right. So this next one is a, um, This is one that I could almost make an entire podcast out of, if not a two-part podcast out of. Um, (laughs) Think about your work before, during, and after the project. And as much as I put into the importance of preparation, um, there's just as much important as execution that goes in with that. So it doesn't matter how prepared it was. If you don't have the energy to put those plans into action, it doesn't matter how much action and energy you have. If there's not necessarily a plan to positively direct it into the right, Mm -hmm. the right direction. So thinking about your work before the project, when you think about it before you're creating a series of scenarios and you're kind of somewhat preparing yourself for multiple situations, you're, getting yourself prepared on a very tangible matter of things that may happen before. That could be as simple as getting to the tools out. That could be as simple as getting that list ready. That could be as simple as making sure batteries are charged in your life in a much more grander sense. That could be just making sure emotionally you're good. Just vibe checking yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? You're thinking about whatever it is beforehand. And it's it's not only is it a, is it creating a plan, but it's creating you know, the discipline of what obstacles are going to come up and having that subconscious plan and act, you know. And even if you've decided that you're going to go off the cuff on this, you're still making that decision beforehand. You're still mentally preparing yourself Mm -hmm. for that type of energy to need to be expanded in that situation. So you're thinking about it before. Think about it during. So when you're thinking about it during, you're taking aspects of what you thought about before you're starting to plan a little bit about the after aspect of what this project's going to be. Yeah. Who's going to see it? How is it going to be affected? What's like who is going to be directly impacted by it? Aspects like that. But you're also thinking about what I'll, what we were talking about before with the you have the two sides, the creative decisions and the technical decisions that are making being made in the moment. While you're being mindful of the project during the project, that's keeping you mindful of both categories there. And so like we were talking about before, when an issue comes up, because there's always going to be issues that come up, when an issue comes up, 
you're going to be prepared for it. You're thinking about the project during and you've thought about it before. So now when those issues comes up, you're very easy or you're very you're going to be easily able to direct your energy to that situation, put out that fire, go back to the main game and stay in that line, stay in those avenues and be able to execute both sides, the creative side and the technical side as they as they come through. So while you're thinking about your work during, you're picking up pitfalls, you're picking up possible issues that you can take onto the next job. Mm -hmm. So as you're learning, you know, kind of what these pitfalls are, what these situations are that you couldn't have ever planned for, you're gaining a little bit of experience, you're gaining a little bit of mindfulness of that possibility. So now that you're doing that, that's automatically segueing you into thinking about the job after, right? right? So you're thinking about the job after while you're currently in the project. Now that the project is over with, whatever it is, whether it just be your day at work, whether it be your three-month-long project, whether it be your five-year-long project, whatever it is, yep. you still have to be mindful of it afterwards. And I'll say for me personally, this is where I struggle the most in this whole aspect is thinking about the job after. Mm -hmm. Because even though I take away a lot from it, my mindset is always my next job is going to be the best. Yeah. And so the moment this current project is over with, I'm immediately on to the next one. Yeah. And I'll stay a little hyper-focused on that next one. And I don't keep a collection of work that I've done in the past. Right. And you know that's on me. That's my fault. But it's because to me, all that shows garbage. Because the next one's going to be the one that actually matters. Yeah. And then as soon as I finish that one, ah, oh, that one kind of feels like garbage too. The next one's going to be the one that really matters. And so... While you're thinking about that that after, while you're thinking about that next job, it's basically putting a bow and a package around the entire experience you just went through so you can open that up on the next project. And so when you open that up, it's a gift of experiences. It's a gift of you know yeah. memories. It's a gift of you know tangible things that you can do differently on this new project. So now that after in this mantra has become the before of the next project. Right. And so it keeps you along this train and keeps you in that line. Um, my, my buddy, Jocko Willink, he's an ex-seal. He's wrote some really great books that I recommend listeners listen to, Extreme Ownership and The Dichotomy of Leadership. Mm. Um, he, he, he utilizes a lot of stories from the SEALs as business analogies. Mm -hmm. um, one of his biggest things uh, that obviously all SEALs do and – I think all military does is a, a, de a debrief after, you know, each mission. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, you know, everything that he talks about in his books, he talks about as a business analogy. So after everything that you do, every meeting, every project, he, he you know, he recommends doing a debrief, reflecting on the, on the, the project that you did, because that's your best learning element, mm -hmm. right? Everything that you just did, if you can debrief on that, look back on it, reflect on it, figure out, hey, man, how could this have went a little bit better? Then you're able to plan much better for the next one. Because like I talked about earlier of, you know, when, what's the best strategy to start a business is just starting one. Mm -hmm. Well, until you get, you know, boots on the ground and you actually start taking action and you can learn from your own actions, then it, all the other strategy really doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? The debrief, uh, and I feel you know that this is extremely true, is the most important thing that you can do, the, the reflection on the project. Oh, absolutely. Because without that debrief, you're just doing the same thing again. Without that reflection, you're just doing the same thing again. And at a certain point, you're just creating your own plateau because 
you're allowing yourself to not learn from previous experiences. You're not allowing yourself to live with that integrity. You're not having the discipline to be able to face yourself and say, hey, maybe I need to change some procedures. And so you start throwing an ego and that becomes a huge thing in the creative field of people not wanting to do things differently. So you have to have that, that honest evaluation of what you did, which brings us directly to the next one. Number six, be honest with yourself when evaluating your work. Right. So with that debrief, if you just tap pat yourself on the back and say, hell yeah, man, I killed that shit. And that's your debrief on every single debrief. Yeah. You're either a fucking rock star and you are killing shit every single time or just never the case, never the case, or you're neglecting areas and you're just letting your pride kind of take over. Right. So I don't care if you want to surround yourself by yes, people, that's a completely different podcast. I don't think it's a good thing. It doesn't matter. That's not what this is directed to. Yeah, it's definitely not. (laughs) But even if, even if you do, right. You have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. At the end, at the end, yeah, the accountability at the end of the day, when you go to sleep or at night, whichever, assuming you sleep, you are by yourself. It doesn't matter how many people you have in the bed. It doesn't matter how many people have been in the bed. It doesn't matter how many people you have in the room. When you close your eyes, you're going to sleep with yourself alone, with your own experience, right? With your thoughts. With your thoughts, right? And so if you're not being honest with yourself, even in those moments, then none of this is going to matter. Yeah. Then... Everything else that we've talked about has no basis. You're never going to have the right discipline. You're never going to have the right integrity. You're never going to be set off in the right motion. You have to be willing to accept negative things about yourself to yourself. As those are being accepted, you can start working on those. As those are being worked on, you can start to see a lot of these other avenues that that may need more um a little more insight. Mm-hmm. So we talked about on the first episode, um, doubling down on your strengths and how a lot of times that can become a weakness. So at the end of the night, if all you're focusing on are all the things that make you great and none of the, uh, yeah, all you're thinking on on your strengths, this is how that gets built. This is how you end up doubling down on your strengths and thinking that all these pitfalls that you have in your life are coming from you not doing well enough in your strengths. Well, No, they're coming because your strengths are creating these pitfalls because you're putting no emphasis on your weakness because you refuse to see yourself as a whole person. You're only seeing the facade of what you're trying to build up to the rest of the world. That's that little bitch. That's that's a little bitch mask. For sure. And and, and I'll tell you that, you know, from working with race teams and listening to the coaches and stuff, you know, you've already got a good skill set, right? Anyone who's kind of good has a good skill set of whatever it is that they do. And you can continue to work on that and build that more and more and more over time. But what great coaches teach are where are the, where the, where the weaknesses at? Mm -hmm. Let's fix those. Cause it really doesn't matter how great you are at this. Mm -hmm. If you have just an equivalent weakness you can't continue to keep building this to overcome that weakness. Mm -hmm. If you're good at one thing and your weakness is minimized, then this is really going to fucking excel. It's going to look like this is now here. Exactly. Minimize those weaknesses. So that reflection, you know, you can give yourself the pat on the back when you do, you know, something amazing with those, you know, the, where you're achieving at. But if you never look at your weaknesses and, and take action on fixing those, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't fucking matter, you know? So that's the accountability and the reflection on being honest with yourself, you know? Exactly. Um, just a kind of a little, like a sidebar conversation. Like you were talking about the sports thing. I mean, in the NFL, for me personally, that's why I'm so fascinated by it is 
I mean, even the the practice squad players in high school, they were the king of the county. You know what I mean? Some of these guys were the king of the state. And so the idea is you're in this field that is the best of 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 the best. And at a certain point, um, if you're, say, a great quarterback, for example, at a certain point, um, defenses, opposing defenses, aren't going to try to necessarily negate your strengths. They're going to look to find your weaknesses right. and look to go those and exploit those, right? So then you as a player have to be honest of knowing wh- where your weaknesses are so then you can start to fortify those so then you can rely on your strengths because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you really are that talented, if you really are that, that special thing about you, no one's going to be able to mute that or right. necessarily take right. that away, especially if you have everything else shored up. That's going to naturally shine on its own already. Don't, don't take it as if we're saying don't focus on your strengths. Right. Because by all means, you know, focus on what you're great at. Yeah. But you need to spend just as much just as much time focusing on what you're not good at. Right. You know, cause that can focusing on what you're not good at can make what you're great at look even better. Those strengths are going to come natural. Those strengths yeah. are going to be the easy things to focus on. Right. Those weaknesses are naturally going to be hidden from your point of view. That's just going to take that discipline and that's just going to take that little more work to dive in there to identify those. And then you can apply energy to both your strengths and weaknesses, but it's going to take the work to find those. Mm-hmm. So, so, from there, which is, I feel like, a pretty good segue to number seven. If better is possible, good is not good enough. Now, this to me is probably the one, probably the most important. Obviously, we have number one. We talked about how that's the most important. Everything under there falls yeah. under that. But this one right here is the one that I'm the most passionate about. Uh, I think I am, too. This is that 2%. <laughs> We're going right back to that 2%. Yeah, um, if sure. better is possible, good is not good enough. Now, this is assuming that you are honest enough to identify that better is possible. Right. And I feel like a lot of people know that better is possible. They just oh, yeah. feel like it doesn't for sure. matter. For sure. They, That's where that 2% comes in. I think that more importantly, they 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 understand how much harder it's mm-hmm. going to be to get even better. Yeah. And they think, uh, I'm okay with good. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people want to get by on good and good will get you to a lot of places in life, but good will not get you out of complacency and good will not make your dreams come true. Good's not going to get you to the upper echelon of places that you really want to be, that, that you look at people and say, man, I really want that. That's right. good. Don't get you that. Exactly. And I'm imagining our audience are not good people. They're great people. Yeah. So this right here should immediately, immediately be relatable. I feel like. I think so. Yeah. I, I think that anyone listening, you know, I don't think that they want to be good. I think they want to be great. Right. You're not listening to grinding for greatness because <laughs> you want to be grinding for good. Yeah. It's not know? grinding for goodness. If, if you're grinding for goodness, there's probably a fucking other podcast for you. Yeah. Mind, you know what I'm saying? Uh, exactly. We're, we're anyone that we're talking to ourselves included. We're trying to get to the uh, uh, upper echelon of any point that we can, you know, and I'm willing to put the fucking work in for it. You know? Exactly. And so if better is possible, that means you have to be able to identify whole scale what you've done what your energy is, what your efforts have been. You have to identify accurately where that current situation stands and be able to see those avenues of of being able to move forward. Once you identify those, because again, half the battle, only half the battle is identifying it. Only half the battle is making the plan. The other half is putting that energy into effort after that. And so like we were saying before, you have to find that 2%. We don't have to repeat so much of what we said before because I feel like a lot of things kind yeah. of get, get tied into this package. Yeah. But if, if you if you want to be great, you you better be ready to fucking put the work in. Right. You know? Um, 
a couple quotes that I wanted to talk about real quick is something I've I've heard a long, long time ago, mm-hmm. and it's something I say all the time: is good is good is not good when great is expected. Mm-hmm. Another thing that uh, uh, Grant Cardone says is be great because nothing else pays. Right, right. So, you know, you can be good, and yeah, you're going to get a little bit, but you're never going to be the guy. Right. You know, you're never going to be the go-to guy. You know, everyone that we're talking about is great. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they're they have an extremely well-known name because they're great, mm-hmm. not because they're good. No one's going to know you for good. Exactly. If you want to be a household name, you better be great. Right. Which a lot of ways to get through being great. Is number eight with details matter. That's everything of it, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's where you know it's very easy to say, find that two percent, do do more, do that two percent more. Yeah. It's very easy to say all of these things about what needs to happen for this progress to happen, but every bit of that is in the details. The 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 details are, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier that, like, giving an example you know, starting my tree business and running the tree service, which we built very quickly and, and, you know, not to sound like a cocky fucker, but very, very quickly overshadowed any other tree business that was local. Mm -hmm. Um, the big thing that I always honed in with my guys is look, me, you, Tom, Dick and Harry can all come here and at the end of the day can remove this tree and there not be a tree here. Mm -hmm. But the big difference with us was, when we came to your job and we removed a tree from your property, unless we removed, did not remove the stump, cut, just cut the stump low to the ground, you'd never know we were there. You'd never know the tree was there. Right. We did very low impact. We didn't tear your fucking yard out of hell, which a lot of people don't care about. They mm-hmm. only care about this tree pays 3000 bucks. I'm going to take the tree down. And I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to get my paycheck. They don't care about what they left you. Right. Now, if we come in and we grind the stump, you'd never know there was a tree there. So it's and, and and the difference between the guy who comes in and tears your yard all to hell and the guy and and us was was details. Mm-hmm. It was very very small. You know, there it doesn't take that much more work to come in and not tear everything up and you know clean up really really well and get out of there. I mean, you're talking about an extra hour or two. Yeah. Uh, but for that little bit of detail, you can you can immensely excel those around you that don't care to take the time to do those details. You know. Yeah. And. That's just one very small example of, of I can give you 30 other analogies with gym stuff, with athletes, all kinds of different things. But, and, and that kind of goes back to discipline too, you know, like, yeah, we could have got our check and got out of there without doing all the cleanup and everything. But, and, and that's integrity. It mm-hmm. goes back to our core value of inspirational integrity, you know. We wanted to do the right thing. We wanted to, we were proud of our job, so we wanted to leave it in a great standard. Mm-hmm. You know? We were proud of our name. We want to build a brand. We want to build a reputation. So we're going to take the extra time to do those details. You know, mm-hmm. again, one small analogy. You know that I just kind of displays the very little difference of good to great. Exactly. Um, I have a a slight a slight story that kind of mirrors that too with um, how details matter. Um, I worked at a um, it's the school photographer. It was a, one of the school photographer companies. Um, it goes, they'll do the high school senior portraits and then also your yearbook photos and then your typical fall photos, all that stuff, right? And so um, one thing with them that I always found fascinating is they try to make this like a complete like fast food 
procedure to where it's like just about anybody can come through. Anybody can. You check this. 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 You have a good photo. And the idea is so you'll have like, you know, sometimes you can have 300 kids that are going to come through in one day. So you break it down per class. You break it down per camera. You break it down how much time each student is supposed to spend at a camera, right? You have eight photos you're supposed to do per kid. So probably around three minutes is what you have max per per kid sometimes, Mm -hmm. depending on what set of photos you're doing, right? And so it's a variety of horizontal and vertical photos you're using an external light. So in the lights or in the eyes, you need to have the reflection of the light either be at a 10 o'clock or two o'clock position, right? Um, that's And you have the light put in a certain position because it's going to create a certain shadow below the nose, which is exactly what they're looking for. There's all these certain little things, right? When you get that, tilt your head a little to the left and back towards the camera, all that stuff. It, it, those are little details that are going in to make that model perfect pose, right? And they have that structured for eight different one of those. Now, where details matter, where every bit of this comes into is you can have two photographers on the same camera take the exact same photo and have two totally different end results right. because one person is going to pay attention to the details. Yeah. The other person is just going to kind of more or less go through the motions. Yeah. Now, if they were both trained in the exact same situation and they were both presented the same information, one person's more disciplined than the other, I would mm-hmm. say. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in that situation, because that one person is more or less paying attention to the details. And let's say they got through with the photo at the same time. Let's say that detail person didn't take 10 hours and the other person took, you know what I mean? It's going to take the same amount of time. So you put these two same people in the situation of where you have 300 students in line waiting to come through. Probably the the person who's not in the details, they're going to start doing the shortcuts. Mm -hmm. They're going to start butchering the photos of multiple kids because they're not taking the time to make sure that the photos even look right because they're skipping over some major details. Yeah. The details where the discipline matters. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's just another small cataclysm example of where those details matter and can make a huge, huge difference in the end result. And, you know, at the end of the day, they may still get an arguably good photo Mm -hmm. of the child. Right. But if better is possible, good is not good enough. hundred percent. Yeah. So, the same person who took the same amount of time who focused on the details is going to get a great photo. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's just so frustrating, man, because it's all a mindset. Exactly. You know what I mean, it's do you, do you give a fuck or not? Mm-hmm. You know, the details are what say, Hey man, I give a fuck. Exactly. You know? And that's what will translate to your customer. That's what translate to your facade. That will translate to your relationship, you know, and those are the things that matter, you know, any project, whether it be a creative project, whether it just be you, I would even be willing to bet. I'm going to put a, a staple on this right here. I would be even willing to bet that there's scenarios that you can create where making a bowl of cereal, there's details yeah. that matter and that eating cereal experience is going to be way more enjoyable. Put if, the milk in before or after the cereal. Yeah, exactly. You know where do you apply the sugar if you're going to put the sugar in? How tight do you put the lid on yeah. for the milk? before you know, Small this, bowl or a big bowl? Ex- Little sp- have you ever ate with a fucking little bitty spoon or a big spoon if you're eating cereal? Exactly. I'm notorious for taking the biggest bites I possibly can. Me too. And so Me it too. Was, I'm trying to get done. You yeah, know? exactly. I, I don't have time to do. eat. I don't like, be there forever. I ain't eating with my toddler's fucking spoon. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Not to mention you're probably eating cereal and your toddlers are wanting that cereal. And so it's like, we got to hurry up and get this out of sight. Um, but yeah, so the details matter um, in every area that you apply that to. Um, this next one is very multifaceted. Um, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, you only get one chance to make a first impression. 
so on a creative standpoint, it's very obvious that, well, when you create a piece of work, when someone views that for the first time, when they're kind of gaining and garnishing that opinion for the first time, they only can see it for the first time one time. Yeah. After they see it that first time, they've already made a mental log of either things they liked, didn't like, what it relates to, what it reminds them of. All these emotions start getting tied to what they just saw. Mm-hmm. So you just lost that first impression. Yeah. That first impression is where you're going to essentially stack where that's going to rate in their memory, right? So for a creative work, for a work, for an output, you only have that one chance because it's only going to be seen that first time. Mm-hmm. You as an individual only have one chance for that first impression. So as we go back to integrity, as people go back to judge how you are as a worker, you're only going to have one chance to really lead off on a good foot on that. Otherwise, it's going to be an uphill battle from there. And how long until they forget that bad first impression? Oh, yeah. Probably never, Never, especially as a business. Yeah, especially if it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, to piggyback on that is something I say a lot, especially, you know, talking about being in the contracting industry is as a contractor, your reputation or impression, call it whatever the fuck you want, Mm -hmm. is perceived by whoever else is in that industry, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of shitheads in contracting, man. And and, and it's not, a lot of time, I don't think it's their fault. A lot of time, I think there's a lot of employees who decide to go start their own business, which I fucking applaud. I want so many people to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times people don't understand again, this is going down a rabbit hole, but they don't understand what it takes to actually do the job from start to finish. And then they end up messing up a job and that sets an impression in itself Mm -hmm. for, for all contractors, actual business ethics and how they apply them. So then when I come and stand in front of the same exact customer, they're Mm -hmm. already thinking, well, man, I hope it's ain't another fucking shithead. Yeah, exactly. So your first impression is kind of already made. You have to work twice as hard at that point to Mm -hmm. actually set, the an impression, good or bad, of whoever you really are, especially if you're trying to set a good impression of, hey, man, I am the professional here. I'm mm-hmm. not the guy who came and fucked your project up. And 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 you can utilize what I'm saying in any anything. Let's, you know, for another example, you know, you, you want to meet a female or male if you're female. And, you know, someone's probably set you guys up or something, you know, Someone probably said, hey, I, I know this guy or I know this girl, and they've told a story about you at that mm-hmm. point. You know, So your reputation or impression has kind of already been made. So when you finally do make that meetup, mm-hmm. you really have to say, hey, this is who I am. You know, yeah. If you're an athlete you know, and a coach hears about you, your impression's kind of already set. You know, If you're an applicant, I'm going to look you up on social media before mm-hmm. I even reach out to you. Your impression's already set there. You know, a lot of times in the creative field, I know just with a broad stroke, I know a lot of creatives have that, um, that kind of stereotype of just being either a little bit lazy, a little bit conceited, a little bit, not necessarily understanding of business, just being money grabs, being pretentious, all these different things. Right. And I feel like we're starting to kind of get over a lot of that as, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot more businesses are putting emphasis on that creative field, especially with social media and things like Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, I mean, that's another set of like, okay, well, if you're going to present yourself as a re- accountable, reliable, creative as a business person, well, you're already having a little bit of a stereotype you're having to work against just mm-hmm. in that right there. And so uh, another example. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can think of anyone in any industry, mm-hmm. you know, think of anyone, banker, priest, you know. Lawyer. Anyone. 
you're already going to start thinking of who they are as a person. Although that's really just what they do for work. Right. You know, but because that's what they do for work, you assume they're a certain type of person. So your impression of them is kind of already made. Uh, so I'm just saying all that to say, you know, you really got to be deliberate on setting the correct impression when you get there. All right. Yeah. So number 10, uh, last, but absolutely not least, if it was easy, there would be no reason to pay your professional. And so, I mean, basically just to hit it, just to hit it home. Everything that we've listed so far is what makes you a professional. That's what makes you more than an amateur is your drive, is your attention to detail, is your accountability, is your discipline. Well, that, that kind of goes back to what I had said earlier with Grant. You know, he says, be good, be great because nothing else pays. Mm-hmm. So if you're good or mediocre, you may have a job, man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, you may, you may be making just as much with your business as if you were an employee somewhere else, which I think a lot of people think that, you know, well, I'm going to go start this business because I don't want a boss and maybe I can make more money. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, if you're not excelling and you're still just doing a mediocre job, which I would contest most people are, you know, especially mm-hmm. folks that aren't, you know, doing a couple million a year, it's cause they're doing a, a, a mediocre job. So, you know, if it were easy, there'd be no reason to pay a professional. You know, it, if, if you're not setting a standard of, Hey, I'm the professional, I'm, taking the time to make, to go through the details and make sure that those are important. If I'm not taking the extra 2% of effort to be great, mm-hmm. then yeah, you may be getting paid, but you're not going to be getting paid, paid. Right. You know? So I think that's really the, the, the element of, of number 10, you yeah. know, is setting yourself at a different standard, setting yourself at, as a different level of professional versus, yeah, I know how to shoot that video for you. Or yeah, I know how to grade your lot for you. Uh, the video may not kill it. You know, you may mm-hmm. not get tons of responses from it. The the lot, yeah, it may be flat, but is it going to hold water? Is it going to shed water? Is it going to be compacted correctly? Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things. You know, yeah, I can come out here and I can throw the football and I can catch the football, but am I going to be, you know, killing it with touchdowns? Right. No. You know, that's what we mean by it. You know, if it was easy, you it, there'd be no reason to pay a professional because there's there's an abundance of, of people who are good, mm-hmm. who are, who can get the job done. There's not many people who are professional. Right. Know? Anyone can be an amateur, but only a professional is going to have the other nine, 10 commandments right. here. And those five core values also. And practice them. Exactly. Regularly. Exactly. Um, so that's the, that's the, the end of, um, the 10 commandments. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, you guys stay tuned. Watch out for uh, some guests, some cool guests that are coming up next week on the Grinding for Greatness podcast. 